we're coming up with maybe the scoring or how we're going to go about this just as it's happening versus being proactive versus considering, okay, what kind of systems or processes could we have considered prior to? Or what could we learn from this so we won't run into this next time? So in these conversations, I want to challenge ourselves, us to challenge ourselves as leaders, as those who are in positions to make changes to policies and so on, to really ask ourselves, do we have a tendency of being reactive? Leaders need constant developing. It might be on the personal side of development or the professional side, but essentially the work that you do on yourself will benefit how you show up as a leader in the home as well as within the workplace. Check out these testimonials from some clients I've worked with in the past and make sure you book your session soon. They want to continue on this journey because it has been very beneficial for me. Um, like I said, I'm not the same person. I don't feel like I'm the same person I was five weeks ago. How I fit your strategic goal. And they're like, wow, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, that does. I mean, I'll... I, I'm glad. I'm glad you got me there because that's that's good. So, you feel it was accurate. Like, what was your feedback? I think it was definitely accurate. Thank you so All much. Right. This was fantastic. You're welcome. You're welcome. And you have period. Like, how do you feel now? I do want to be successful in my business. Um, I need to work on me. I'm like, I'm happy right now. I am. I'm, that's this is good. good. So, what are you waiting for? Schedule your session today. What's up, guys? Thank you for joining me on another episode of Internal Fire. And on today's episode, we're going to continue this conversation with our last case study. And the high-performing athlete we're looking at today is Simone Biles. And we're correlating this with your high-performing team member. Because the question that I've been asking is, is it time for you to restructure, to take a look at, to make some changes in how you go about your rules, regulations, your policies. But in this case, it might be how you're rating your high-performing team members. Because the way that Simone Biles is being judged is different from others. But let's get into it. Get your notepads, your note-taking materials, and let's get into today's message. Simone Biles, there just has never been another female gymnast like her in the world. She's 22, she's an Olympic gold medalist, and she just won her 21st world championship medal at the women's team final in Germany yesterday. The most decorated woman in gymnastics ever. But there is controversy in how the Federation of International Gymnastics is scoring Biles' new signature moves. Jennifer Bellamy joins us. No one else can do them. So why are people so upset with this scoring system, J. Bell? Well, Cheryl, so many people talking about this and why it's so important and why she's being treated unfairly. Now, Biles made history last weekend with her two signature moves on the floor and the balance beam. And during her floor routine, she landed a triple-double, which is now officially named the Biles 2. Then on the balance beam, the four foot eight powerhouse nailed an extremely difficult double-double dismount, simply called the Biles. But here's why some gymnastics fans are really upset with how officials are actually scoring this move. The Federation of International Gymnastics listed Biles' beam move as an H when it 
would be expected that such a difficult skill would be valued at an I or an J. That's because every skill is assigned a letter where A is worth a tenth of a point and the following letters each add another tenth. So critics say that scoring that they have given to Biles undervalues her signature moves, which no other gymnast has ever performed before. Biles herself responded to the controversy on Twitter with a choice word that we won't mention here on television about the scoring. Biles told the NBC Sports organization that she recognizes she is in a league of her own, but that doesn't mean she doesn't deserve full credit for her difficult moves. The Federation of International Gymnastics responded to the debate, saying that they considered the risk, the safety, and the technical direction of the skill when scoring. Many, though, believe that it is punishing Biles in the process. We so if you've been following the last two episodes, we have been really unpacking this conversation about organizational rules. And challenging leaders, ourselves, to maybe revisit these and take a look at how we might treat our high-performing team members or asking ourselves, are, do we have a tendencies of, do we have tendencies of treating them differently or making adjustments when it is affecting a high team member, a high performing team member, and just really observing and looking at those different factors. And the fact that we are into the Olympics, I'm glad we have been correlating or utilizing these case studies of these athletes because it just, it just works perfectly because we're watching the Olympics play out. We're watching these amazing high-performing athletes who have put in the work for years. You know, most of these individuals have been doing these things since they were children. And now they're on these Olympic stages representing all these different countries. Shout out to Sierra Leone. That is the country I'm from. Okay, so shout out to them. Um, and also the USA, right? You know, you know, I, I definitely shout out the USA and also my people back home for going out and representing and, and doing the Dagon thing. And everybody out there that has, you know, maybe you have a different country that you're also like rooting for because you have background or you have people there and family there. Or again, you have a cultural background and so on. Shout out to you guys as well. But we're watching the Olympics play out and some of us are like reliving some days from when we used to play sports or we're just like, man, I wish I did this. Or maybe you're looking at your kids and you're like, you know what? I think you need to play volleyball now. I think you need to get into gymnastics now because I want you to get on that stage. We're just all watching this. And it's just beautiful to see how these individuals, again, they have trained and worked hard to get to this level. And again, as we're unpacking this conversation, I really want you to look at it from the perspective of those individuals who have worked hard, put in the work, grinded, done all the things necessary for them to get to the level that, are, that they are in within your organization, within your company. And now they're there. And there are probably other people in that company that's like, man, I can't wait to get to that rank. I can't wait to get to that position. I can't wait to get to that tier. They have gotten there. And now they're there, but they're navigating some things a little differently. So episode one, like we talked about, or the previous episode, we talked about Naomi Osaka and how she, you know, quote unquote, broke this rule in regards to, hey, she's supposed to provide, you know, these after, you know, meet with the press after her, um, after she finishes her matches. But, you know, she decided I'd rather not because I want to make sure that my mental health is a priority. 
but we talked about, you know, this is a rule that an organization has. So let's talk about, you know, the side of the high performance team member who has recognized that, hey, I think you guys need to look at this rule, this, this, this rule that you have in place, because there's some other areas that you might have missed when you came up with this rule. So unpacking that. But again, this is a high performing team member. This is a high performing athlete. And the question is, again, they're at this level, they have all this media attention. And it's like that question of would this has would this have even came up if it wasn't Naomi Osaka? Because I'm pretty sure, again, this has been a conversation or these are things that have come up before with other athletes. And then we talked about Shakari Richardson and her situation, the drug test and um, that coming up positive and, you know, the whole conversation about, okay, what side are you on? But again, this is another rule that was broken and the dynamic of, okay, big media attention is being talked about. But again, this is a high performing athlete, team member, and will we be having this conversation if it wasn't a high-performing team member? It's it's being talked about all over the place. Would we, would we even be considering making changes or adjustments if it wasn't a high-performing team member? And now we're talking about Simone Biles, and we're going to talk about this aspect of what she's having to navigate as a high-performing team member who, from what we know, has not broken any rules. None. She's just going out there and dominating. So I'm going to read from two articles. I might just focus in on one because this one is really, really good and it's the most current one. But there's one that um, Vox wrote and um, it's from July 24th, 2021. So this one is really, really current. And there's another one from Insider that was written in May, May 26th of 2021. But this this Vox one is very, very well. So we're going to read it, or I'm going to read it to you all. And then we're going to unpack it. Because again, just to understand, and you might already know what's going on. But again, we're correlating this to that high-performing team member, right? And I'm seeing a pattern here, right? I want to call it like high-performing bias, I recently did a training with an organization and we were talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I played this video in the beginning. And the beautiful thing about the video, it talked about um, inclusivity. It talked about diversity in a totally different way. Because of course, we know from the main factors, right? We talk about race, religion, sexual orientation. We talk about you know gender, you know uh, cultural differences, disability, things of that sort. But these individuals brought up conversations about, hey, um, I feel like I'm judged differently because I don't have any children. So I'm expected to X, Y, and Z. There was a gentleman who held up a sign. He's like, I'm a father. And I feel like I'm treated differently than, you know, because I'm, I'm the dad. It's like the moms are treated differently. But I'm a father. And I have, you know, I want to take paternal leaves. I, I want to do things with my kids as well. But, you know, because I'm the father, it's there's a different type of expectation for me. Then, of course, we talked about, you know, age bias. You had individuals who were younger who said, well, I'm treated one way because I'm younger. So these these different um, examples were brought up. And now even with this, I'm like, hmm, are there high performing biases in I believe it is because I've been in those positions 
And a lot of you out there might resonate from this where you are the person that gets it done. You show up. And I might have talked about this in a podcast before, but you show up, you do the job, you're consistent, you're the person that that CEO, that leader can depend on, or maybe you are the leader and you know those individuals you can depend on, and you weigh the, the level of, um, you weigh your expectations on them differently than your average performer. There's no room for mess ups for that high performer but you'll give a pass to the average performer because that's, that's what's expected. So when that high performer might have a hiccup because all humans do, all humans make mistakes, they don't get the same level of grace that you give the average performer. And again, average is based off of what you consider average, depending maybe on your industry or what you consider execution at whatever level or whatever industry you're in. And I've, I've, I've had that experience where it's like, wow, there was that conversation that happened with that person was totally different. The level of reprimand or the disciplinary action that occurred with that person was different. But for me, myself and I, someone that's human, someone that might have a bad day or a bad week or might, ha- might be navigating some personal things, I didn't get the same grace. And I have said to myself, that isn't fair. So is there a level of bias that we're giving with our high performers? But I will get into that a little bit more, right? So I'm going to read some of this Vox article, just really, really good. So it starts off and says, as children, we're often told that we can do anything we put our minds to. I guess we're okay with deceiving children because this is a complete lie, no matter how hard we try. There are things Simone Biles can do that none of us will ever achieve. Over the past eight years, Biles has dominated the competition, winning four Olympic gold medals and 19 world championship medals. High performance. High performer. There's someone in your company or organization that is dominating. They might have won a bunch of awards. They've done some great things. So again, correlating those two. Let's continue. And getting four maneuvers named after her. Wow. She hasn't lost a major competition since she debuted in 2013, a time when Barack Obama was still president. Her talent, excuse me, her talent at strong, tumbling combined with execution has made her a transformative and unsurpassed gymnast. She's taken a sport that is judged to the decimal and won by full points. At this year's Olympics, she'll be the heavy favorite again, barring injury or getting locked in her hotel room by a jealous rival. Little could stop Biles from adding to her gold medal total. Hence, Biles' storyline this year isn't about whether she'll win, but whether her skills will be fully appreciated. Specifically, the controversy is that Biles is doing moves that few, if any, gymnasts can do, including her male colleagues. But instead of getting full points for her moves, she and those who watch the sport feel that the judges are scoring her fairly, aren't, excuse me, feel that the judges aren't scoring her fairly and are not giving her the moves their proper value. With Biles' overall dominance missing a few tenths here and there can be trivial. But try to imagine the absurdity of shortchanging greatness and why it's happening to arguably, excuse me, arguably 
the greatest athlete of all time. Mm. So now we're going to transition to the insider article. It talks about scoring a little bit. So scoring in high-level gymnastics is marked differently than in most other sports. Rather than athletes earning points throughout a performance, the decision makers at the International Gymnastics Federation, which is the FIG, pre-signed scores to routines based on the difficulty of the skills involved. Then judges evaluate execution in real-time docking points from the potential total every time a, gym, a gymnast makes a mistake from during the program, right? So they have a scoring already and pretty much they're just docking points, right? So listen, this is the level of execution. We're starting at the 10 and we're just going to dock from there if you can't execute effectively, Right? Because Biles regularly achieves feats, excuse me, physical feats, other gymnasts can only dream of the degree of difficulty associated with her routines, particularly on the floor, balance beam, and vault, warrants some of the highest possible scores the FIG doles out. Biles enjoys a huge margin of error as a result. She can get away with faltering during a performance because her floor is higher than most of her opponent's ceilings. But the system that the FIG established excuse me, but that's the system the FIG established. So as she's pulled off increasingly complex and hazardous skills, Biles expected her points values to increase accordingly, but they haven't. They had an open-ended code of points, Biles said after the U.S. A Classic per the Times. So she did a, a um, interview with the New York Times, and now they're mad that the people are too far ahead and excelling. So there was this um, move that she did. I mean, ex ex extremely difficult. And she landed it. She executed it. But when she got her score, it was undervalued. She didn't get the score that people expected her to get. And she's done this multiple times. She's done this multiple times. Some of these have been ones that have been done by a couple individual. So there was one called the double twisting double. So this, so again, back to the Vox article, it says the double twisting do double on the floor is what Sean Johnson and Jordan Weiber were mounting their floor routines with. Ending this off the balance beam is truly mind boggling. Simone Biles did it. And this was, I believe, back in 2008 and 2012. And this was when they were at their peak. Bows has taken their best floor routine move and is performing it on a completely different apparatus, a four inch wide platform. So she's taken this move that was done on a floor, on the a floor routine and doing it on a four inch wide platform, executing it, high performance. Regardless of how mind-boggling or death-defying her elements appear, some gymnast insiders say that both elements deserve to be scored higher. Lee says that he would score her around two tenths higher on both elements and that even her floor routine is underscored. Biles herself says that she believes the IGF and judges are underscoring the elements. Why is that? Now, there's some a, a variety of different um, perspectives on it. You know, they're saying that it's because that she's dominating 
And if she's getting all these high scores, then what about the other gymnasts out there? I mean, pretty much she's just sweeping the entire game. So this is their way of keeping it fair. But is it bending rules? If, if your system and your rules state that, hey, this is your performance review. And in order for you to get, um, say you have a performance review scale and who knows, it's a point system. You can either get from a one to a five. And if five means it's say you're exceeding all expectations and in order to exceed all expectations, you have to do these five or six or whatever things you have to do and you're doing them all and you're executing it and maybe you're going above and beyond, shouldn't you give that person that five? The answer would be yes. But you see in this case, someone that is, again, high performing, consistent, has not broken any rules from what we see or what we've heard, no controversy, is being underscored. And again, nothing has been confirmed because essentially when you are being judged, you're being judged. I mean, when you're a scoring system, someone's giving you something. I mean, you can't, you know, read anyone's mind. You can't say specifically why they're doing what they're doing. However, you know, the the only statement or the factor they have said is that, well, a lot of these um, attempts are very dangerous. It's a safety factor. And that's why the uh, the scoring has looked the way it is because of safety. However, both of these articles have said that it's gymnastics. They're flipping. I mean, come on, guys. Like, think about it, right? If we think about gymnastics and a lot of these sports, but gymnastics, I mean, they're tumbling, flipping. I mean, they're doing some wild things. And you're talking about these beams and these poles and they're like, uh, it's dangerous as it is. So they're essentially saying that, yes, these are very difficult moves, but the sport itself or the different moves that they're doing essentially are essentially dangerous. So you're hearing a perspective of, well, we're trying to deter people from doing these um, risky moves. So if we score them lower, this will deter it from happening. It's kind of like, hey, this is the point. Don't do that. Don't do it. However, if you think about it, if you don't want someone to do these moves, then your rules, your system your procedures should just ban the move versus I'm going to dock points away because nothing really specifically says you can't do these moves specifically. So again, you have a high-performing team member executing, doing all the things necessary But is there, and say there have been consistently every year you have to choose who is the top dog of your organization, who is always going to get, you can only have one person that gets a clean top five or five score. And this person keeps getting it. Some people will feel some kind of way. They might feel feel a bit bothered. Like, why does this person keep getting these fives? Is it, is it rigged? Is it the system? What is going on? Why is this person always getting this score? So as that leader, as that CEO, 
as that face of that organization, do you dock the person? Although they have done everything necessary to meet all those expectations because of fairness. Do you? And these are the examples that we need to really consider. And again, yes, this is sports. This is something completely different. But I, I want us to really challenge ourselves to think about these things. Because even in the military, we have a rating scale. And there are spaces where, um, you know, that we had, a, had it a few years back where um, our rating scale, they had something called a firewall five. So with our evaluations, you can get, you know, in each category, say you can get like up to a five in each area. Well, say you had people of all the same rank. So, you know, I'm a senior master sergeant. So you had four senior master sergeants and all of them got a five. Some people started to say, like, how could you potentially have four or five or or all your senior master sergeants in your section or in your organization all be outstanding airmen, outstanding individuals. How is that possible? Is it possible? Yeah, I mean, it's possible. However, some, there was some pushback with that. Some people had issues with that, especially when you started thinking about um, competition, when it comes to um, applying for jobs, when you started to consider um, um, promotions and so on. So there were individuals who challenged it. I've been in organizations that said, listen, I have been in those shoes where, Sergeant Thomas, when you provide these evaluations, only one person can have a firewall five, one person. And I'm like, oh, I, I do have a couple individuals who are, all of them are doing great. And yes, you might have ways to kind of dock one other person than the other. But I've had individuals who might have been maybe two that were like just outstanding, maybe in their own way, but they were both great. And, and I might have felt that they both deserve firewall five. But I was told, hey, one person deserves it. Do I switch it up every year? And then also recognizing how much that firewall five and that scoring has an effect on that person's career. So if they apply for another job and say that person, they, this one person got a five and then they go to their next job and they provide that they got a four. I have seen where people's evaluations were scrutinized and they, someone wasn't hired because their evaluation didn't look a certain way. An evaluation was was a way to promote the person. Hey, this person has excellent evaluations. All those things played a factor in the person looking attractive when they were applying for other positions. And now you're in a situation where you're being told like only one person can get it. But again, imagine having one person who execute at the level that you're seeing Simone Biles does. Does she deserve it? She's and and that's the thing. She's it's not like she's staying at the same level. And and that's the thing that we challenge. And I know I've been challenged as a leader. Hey, you want to stand out and you want to maintain this, you know, um, you want to stand out for promotion opportunities, or when it's time for evaluations, you want to make sure that your evaluation doesn't look the same. You want to continue to do more, grow, continue to just do more so you can stand out. So she's doing more. She's like, I'm not going to just do the typical, you know, bar moves. 
vault moves, floor moves. I'm going to take it up a notch. So she's going above and beyond. And is being scored lower. Do you see a problem in that? I do. But I can also understand the perspective of when you have been put in a, a situation when you're at an organization and you have five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 employees, team members that you have to consider as well and say, hey, you do have to choose only one wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, person that is doing the thing. <laughs> They're the person that is the top dog. And the same person gets it every year. You would think, okay, challenge your guys. You guys have to challenge yourself. You have to do more. You have to stand out more. But what do you do in that situation? And what we've seen is a pattern of reactive. Like a lot of these situations seems like it's more reactive. That's the pattern I've seen. This has come up and off the cuff, possibly, right? Because again, these coaches or excuse me, uh, judges probably never expected Simone Biles to do these moves. But we're coming up with maybe the scoring or how we're going to go about this just as it's happening versus being proactive versus considering, okay, what kind of systems or processes could we have considered prior to Or what could we learn from this so we won't run into this next time? So in these conversations, I want to challenge ourselves, us to challenge ourselves as leaders, as those who are in positions to make changes to policies and so on, to really ask ourselves, do we have a tendency of being reactive? Do we have a tendency to make adjustments in a case-by-case basis? And yes, there might be times when that's needed, but is it happening all the time? Versus us taking a moment and identifying if we really need to start creating a system of assessing our organizational rules, our company rules more frequently so we don't run into these issues. And yes, these situations with Naomi Osaka, Shikari Richardson, and Simone Biles are all examples and things that can happen for us to say, okay, wait, all right, these are situations that can occur in companies. And of course, again, this is athletes that we're talking about, but there are situations that can happen in organizations that we can learn from and we can use those experiences to go back and make changes and adjustments to how we do business on a day-to-day But again, what were we doing before? So hang out for a second. On the second half, we're going to really just unpack that. What can we start to do to really, again, foot stomp the importance of considering the adjustments and changes we need to make in our systems and our structures and our procedures so we aren't navigating with this level of high performance bias or we are being more reactive in how we navigate rules, regulations, and the policies and procedures we have and how we do our day-to-day business. 
Don't go anywhere. Stay right here for the other half of this message. That'll be back to you in one second. Leader set trends, five employee retention secrets you never knew. Leaders, you have to recognize to decrease the number of team members departing your organization and companies. You not only have to sharpen your leadership skills, but you also have to create and usher in innovative ways for an improved culture and climate. So this book that I wrote is going to allow you to understand and identify the five specific areas you need to know to transform the workplace through improved communication, collaboration, reduce conflict, and most importantly, the things that's going to allow you to become a highly competitive brand, business, or company. So if you want to get more information, go to my page and go grab a copy now. AishaThomas.org backslash shop. Again, AishaThomas.org backslash shop. And look for the book, Leaders Set Trends, Five Employee Retention Secrets You Never Knew. Again, that's AishaThomas.org backslash shop. So many lessons learned from this conversations we've had. So many lessons learned. Even as I have been reading up on these three great, great athletes, high-performing athletes, team members, women, individuals that are just doing great things. Just looking at how this connects to our day-to-day in organizations and how we lead and support our team members. It's, it's been eye-opening. And my question to you is, as you've listened to these three episodes that have shown you, again, it has provided you three perspectives, three perspectives from the perspective of, okay, breaking a rule, but again, looking at it from the side of, okay, mm, I can understand, I can empathize with one person and you can empathize, you can empathize with every single one. I can't even say you empathize with one or the other, but you can empathize with every single one of them. You have one person that's like, you know what, this isn't right because I want us to start considering mental health. You have this other situation where, yes, I broke a rule. You know, I'm, I need to navigate how I am coping. I, I coped in the wrong way and now it's affected how or it has cost me um, this opportunity in the Olympics. But again, there are a petition and there are people out there that are like, okay, look at your rules because this, this, you know, this way that you guys are looking at, this is wrong. It's outdated. It's just wrong. And she needs to be out there representing the U.S. And then again, you have a group of people that's like, no, they broke a rule. This is what the organization says. You knew better. Don't do it. And then again, you have a pocket of people that are still going out there representing the U.S. that didn't break any rules that are like in the middle that that are like, wait, don't just say don't watch the, you know, you don't want to watch the Olympics or support us because of this situation. So you have all these different perspectives. And then again, now you have Simone Biles who is navigating this specific situation and is being underscored or not being scored effectively and she's like, I can't put my finger on it. There's so many different factors. Is it about, you know, incentivizing like, okay, if, if this continues and now they have to incentivize it, or is it because, you know, 
uh, you know, I, I basically, you know, is it because the, the, there'll be too much of a gap between her and the competitors? Is it that? Is it truly because of the difficulty of the move? But again, this sport is difficult already. It's, 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 it's something related to safety. But again, when you're talking about safety in this sport, I mean, at any twist, turn, flip, someone can hurt themselves. It's a dangerous sport. So what is it? I deserve my points because I've executed and I've done it and I did it at a high level. Three different perspectives. And again, one correlation, one one pattern, again, I have seen is that we have, we have to pivot away from being reactive leaders, reactive organizations, and really start considering and putting in processes if you aren't already evaluating your rules, your regulations, your policies on a regular basis, or even your complaints that are brought up or escalated every year, every six months, looking at those. What can we learn from this? What, what do we need to implement? What kind of changes do we need to make? Because this issue that this person raised was something that we might have not thought about. Or maybe this came up last year. It might have been like a minor incident. And the thing that happened last year could have been addressed last year. So it would have never escalated to the big issue it bubbled up into this year. Are we sitting down and are we doing that? Paying attention to those patterns and those things that are happening so we can potentially and be proactive in preventing it from happening in the future. We have to ensure that we're not reactive. And yes, it, it, it's, it might be busy for you. There might be a lot of things that are going on. You might say, you know what, out of all the different things that are on my priority list, this is number 20. But taking time and making that a part of your process, hey, we're going to do an annual review, you know, every October at the end of the month. Then you have designated a time, place, and space. You have all the players there to do this to do this process. This might be something you can incorporate that you can have on your calendar as you are mapping out what you're going to be doing every year. This could be something within your planning, your annual planning, your quarterly planning. that can aid in ensuring that you're remaining innovative, you're identifying what pain points and what issues that are occurring within your organizations and companies. And you can also put processes and again, rules, procedures in place to prevent it from happening. So you can, you can investigate, identify what the issues are, even get your team members involved, the people that it's affecting, because this could also be a great learning opportunity for you, for you to recognize that, okay, I didn't understand that because we also have to recognize that we have a generational shift that's occurring. They're just things that as leaders, we can learn from our team members as well. So there's so many great things that can happen, but it's just taking time and 
creating a system, a date, a meeting, a time to focus in on, all right, we need to do an annual review, quarterly review, semi-annual review of our rules, regulations, policies, or just look at what were the pain points that occurred this year and things that we need to look at because maybe we need to make this into a policy procedure initiative. Maybe again, we had a big push about DE&I that occurred, but a lot of it was reactive. But ask yourself, were there cases or situations that had had already happened within your company or organization that this could have been something that you could have been rolling out ahead of time? Were you already, did you already have diverse rooms? Was inclusivity already being practiced? Was equity already something that you saw within the different tiers of leadership? So let's start to work on being more proactive in how we navigate making changes, adjustments. And again, we're going to have those case-by-case spaces, situations we can learn from, and that's fine. But, but just creating that system and that process of just reviewing what's going on with our companies can really aid in us making adjustments within to really prevent these situations from happening. And not only that, it can really ensure that our team members, our leaders, their voices are being heard and they're being supported effectively. The other thing that came from this is, again, do we have high-performing team member bias? And I talked about it a little bit earlier, but are we not providing the same level of grace that we're providing to people that we consider, again, average performers? And average performers sound so bad. It's nothing bad with it. But again, let's check ourselves and ask ourselves, do we treat team members who are executing at a high rate different than others? Do you tend to go and give them more work? Do you call them first before you call this other person that needs to be stretched, that needs to be developed? And you might say, I don't even want to bother them bother myself with them because I know it might take them an additional 20 minutes. However, they need that growth and development. You've already gave this person enough work. And of course, they're going to execute it. They might get it done in five minutes. And there might be some cases where, hey, I need to get it to this person, get it done because of whatever um, the task is, the thing that needs to get done. However, we really want to challenge those individuals that also are contributing to that mission and vision and provide them with those tasks and those responsibilities as well so they can grow and develop. Have that high-performing team member train, develop those individuals as well. Give them strategies. And yes, for some people, it's just like an innate just drive that they have. And that's why it's so important. That's why I love these psychometric tools and these assessments for us to understand values and the different things that motivate different individuals. Embedding those things and really starting to incorporate those within your organization might allow you to really understand that maybe what drives and motivates this team member doesn't motivate this other team member. And by just making those tweaks and identifying and learning that, okay, this person is motivated this way, 
now I understand that, now I can tap into what drives and motivates this person to execute. Just that little tweak can make a big difference. Again, watching that video and sharing that video just was an eye opener for a lot of individuals. We were on the in the chat because this was a um, pre-recorded session. So while I was, you know, I was training them from this pre-recorded session, I was chatting with them in the chat, and a lot of them were like, "Yeah, I've been in that situation." Because for a lot of people, what resonated to them was those single individuals who don't have quote unquote a family at home, meaning that they're single, they're not married with kids, and they're like, "I'm just expected to stay. I'm the one that." Hey, I'm expected to stay at work longer. I'm expected, like there's so many different expectations for me compared to the person that might have to go home to a wife and kids and so on, or kids at home. That's not fair. So let's start looking at the expectations that we have for our high performing team members and start asking ourselves, like, are we putting a lot on their plate? What are we doing to make sure that those other individuals are being stretched, developed as well? How can we equip or um, utilize the great talents that that high-performing team member has to support those other individuals to help them get to that level or give them to the tools that might be beneficial in how they execute in that role and responsibility? And also, learning more about that individual to identify what their motivators are, what they need in order for them to execute at that level. Because again, what one person might need might be different than the other person. And then the other area that I mentioned was, again, we should not only be looking at these cases when it's connected to a high-performing team member. It's great that this has made world news There's articles that have been written. It's on social media. But we shouldn't only be willing to make adjustments to rules and regulations when it's affecting those that are in positions of power or in positions um, that are, man, I don't want, I don't want this to affect this person because now I can't get this, you know, we, we don't want that to happen. Again, that's a reactive response, and it's also a response that's only there to support a few, where we have other team members, other individuals who are just as valuable in your company that are pouring into it and are supporting it effectively. Every single person's voice matters regardless of if they're providing five less clients or five, you know, punching in five less numbers or distributing five, whatever they're doing, they're just as important. They're still, again, adding to that mission and vision being executed. So a reminder of we still need to ensure that we are valuing every single person within that company and organization. And if we start to respond to and make adjustments to rules, regulations, scoring, performance reviews, solely because it's affecting a select few, that's problematic. And that's unfortunate. So let's really make sure that we are really looking at and making sure that, hey, this person has received and, and they do deserve this 
firewall five or this top score that's going to make them, you know, the, the, the top dog for another for the sixth year. And if you're really considering what you can do to ensure that, okay, let's, what, what can we do to make sure that there's someone else that could potentially win this prize or get to this level? Is it training? Is it development? Is it revamping your performance review structure? What can you do? There's some kind of adjustments you can make. But it's, you know, again, is it really fair to say, okay, you don't deserve it or let's dock, let's, let's, let's take a point away from you because we want someone else to have it. No, if they, if they have put the work in, they deserve it. Let them, let them receive the points that they receive. But let's do the work and make the tweaks and the adjustments necessary. Let's be more proactive. Let's start really think about becoming more innovative. There's so many different resources and tools of how we can do our performance reviews, how we can revamp our rules and regulations, how we can structure things out, how we can identify what we need to do to help our team members execute. But again, it's just about making sure that we're making the time as leaders, CEOs, those within organizations, those decision makers, so we can make these tweaks and adjustments ahead of time, being more proactive rather than reactive and ensuring that everyone within our teams, within our organization feels as though their voice matters just as much as those that's on that top tier level. But also not putting so much pressure on our high performing team members that they feel like they have to be perfect or, <laughs> or they'll be scrutinized differently than everyone else because that's not fair to them either. They're humans just like us and they deserve to have a level of grace. Not saying that they don't need to take responsibility. They don't need to be reprimanded or counseled if things occur that they shouldn't do. But again, we need to really try to level that playing field a little better just a little better. And there's no level of perfection that's going to occur, but let's work on being proactive organizations, organizational leaders, those that are in those decision-making roles so we can create those spaces in those workplace cultures that thrive. So I hope this information and these conversations and these examples have been beneficial. All right. I didn't expect to do a sports edition of this, but um, I'm glad we were able to have this conversation. And as always, if you know someone that could benefit from this conversation, please share this podcast with them. Um, I'm available for any trainings, development, training and development, um, coaching. So if you are interested, go to AishaThomas.org. Check out the training and development tab or the inquiry tab to reach out to me to get more information about that. And please make sure that you guys leave a review. If you like this information, if it's beneficial, leave a review because that's how my message is spread and more people can hear it. So leave that review ASAP. And if you have any additional questions or concerns, you can email me at info at AishaThomas.org or contact me on one of my social media platforms. My um, name on there is at Miss Aisha Thomas. 
or you can go check out my YouTube videos at Miss the Miss, excuse me, I always forget that name, but on my YouTube platform at the Miss Isha. But you can check the show notes because all that information is in there. But as always, I appreciate you guys tuning in and you guys have an amazing week. Bye.